Hi, and welcome to Believe in Your Shelf, the official podcast of Muskegon Area District Library. My name is Jen. I'm a youth services librarian, and I'm interested in discovering all that Muskegon has to offer. Things like library resources, recommendations, and so much more. So let's dive in. Hey, welcome back to Believe in Your Shelf. Today, we are going to talk about book-to-screen adaptations. I am a staunch believer that A, the book is always better, and B, you need to read the book first before watching the movie. But where do y'all fall? So these are in no particular order. The first one that I want to talk about is To Kill a Mockingbird, a book that everyone has read at one time in their middle school, high school careers. I know I read it in my freshman, freshman English class. Shout out Mr. Tooney. Hey. Um, so this book was published in 1960 and the film was released in 1962. The plot and the characters were actually based on Harper Lee's uh, life people she knew, and um, an experience, an event that occurred near her hometown in Alabama. And this was in 1936 when Harper Lee was only 10 years old. The film won oodles of accolades. Best actor, Gregory Peck. I love Gregory Peck. There, I said it. Him and Roman Holiday was like, mm, chef's kiss. Um, anyway, <laughs> they also won Best Art Direction for Set Decoration in Black and White. Best writing for a screenplay, which was based on material from another medium. So, book to movie adaptation. It was also nominated for a bunch of other things, like uh, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor. Um, Yeah, so everybody knows it. Everybody loves it. I mean, Atticus Finch is, like, why a lot of people go into the law profession. Gotta read the book first, though. Another high school required reading coming at ya. Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare. There are a bajillion iterations of this because the play premiered in 1597. I love Shakespeare. I, okay, brag moment. I have been to Stratford in Canada and I've been to Stratford-upon-Avon in England, and then I've also been to the Globe Theater in London. So, like, I'm not kidding when I say I like Shakespeare. Like, I've done the pilgrimage. (laughs) So, there's, like, a bajillion iterations, like I said. Um, Just in print, there's, like, the No Fear version. There's now more contemporary things, like uh, Romeo and or Juliet. Um, A choosable Path Adventure by Ryan North, Bananas. And then um, my current favorite is the manga version. I just think it's so interesting. So the book itself was published in 1997. Um, The film, Modern the Sorcerer's Throne, was released in 2001. The book itself has been translated into 
80 languages. That's nuts. Um, Rowling actually spent six years working on Harry Potter in the Philosopher's Stone. For all you who don't know, Philosopher's Stone, Sorcerer's Stone, UK title versus US title. And it's been re-released a bunch of times. The book has been re-released a bunch of times. Um, there's now an illustrated version that was released in 2015. And then, like I said, the film came out in 2001, the first one. And um, in 1999 is when Rowling uh, sold the film rights for the first two Harry Potters to Warner Brothers for $1 million. Get it, girl. And she, one caveat is that she demanded that the principal cast be kept strictly British, but allowed for casting of Irish actors such as Richard Harris, RIP, as Dumbledore, and foreign actors as characters of the same nationalities in the book. So, like, Victor Crumb played by a Bulgarian, like, Fleur Delacour is French in the book, and so she's played by a French actress. Um, yeah, so Harry Potter, despite what you think, how you feel about the author and all the political stuff, um, it's a good book. It's a good story. It really changed the face of reading for millions of kids and adults. So definitely read the book first, though. The book is way better. And... Um, you heard it here first, possibly. Um, it's going to be a TV show. So they're going to take each book and turn it into a season, I believe. So it's going to be seven seasons, which is what it should have been, in my opinion, from the start. Like, trying to cram that whole book. Trying to cram this whole book of 300 pages into a movie. Okay, maybe for the first one, fine. But, like, as they go... Not the correct choice, in my opinion. Everything on this podcast is my opinion. So, yeah. So, all the things I've talked about so far are um, books I've read, like, in middle school or high school um, a long time ago. So, this one is actually a fairly recent read for me, and I did it. The Hobbit. I think I probably only read this, like, three years ago or so, um, <laughs> which is wild considering the book was published in 1937 i mean not that i could have read it when it came out but whatever um and there's a bunch of films the most recent um were a trilogy the book was turned into a trilogy 2012 13 and 14 um fun fact there is an alternative title that's there and back again you know what i just learned too um the hobbit was actually originally written to be a children's book. Um, now here it's classified as an adult fiction book, but um, Tolkien's original book was meant to be an adventure book for kids. So I thought that was really interesting. There's a bunch of different themes that are touched on in the book, which why it's so popular. Personal growth, forms of heroism, um, motifs of warfare, but... These themes have led to critics to think that maybe Tolkien's own experience during World War One was um, really helped him shape the story of The Hobbit. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, this again has been turned into a bunch of different things because you know when something's been around that long, um, you gotta recycle a, a good thing. 
um, <laughs> one I thought was really funny is this cute little animated version of it. Um, it came out in 1977, and what I thought was really interesting about it is that um, it was actually a television special, television special, and created by Rankin Bass and animated by Topcraft, which is a precursor to the much-loved Studio Ghibli. So if you like Studio Ghibli, check out the 1997 version of The Hobbit. Then, of course, um, most people are familiar with the three epic high fantasy adventure films directed by Peter Jackson. First one here in my hand, um, An Unexpected Journey, Desolation of Smog, and Battle of the Five Armies. The Hobbit is a prequel to The Lord of the Rings, but funnily enough, the three movies came out after the Lord of the Rings movies. So, like, if you if you go back and watch them now, like, the film quality and, like, the special effects and stuff. And, like, even the actors, it just, it's hilarious. Because, like, for instance, Orlando Bloom, he's in both. He's supposed to be younger in The Hobbit, but he looks way older. And it just, it just cracked me up for some reason. I don't know why. But... The Hobbit, um, a relatively new discovery for me. I don't want to hear an ill word about the next one I want to talk about because it is something very close to my heart. Breakfast at Tiffany's by Truman Capote. The novella was published in 1958 and then the film was released in 1961. Everybody knows the film. Everybody's been to that dorm room where the girl has the poster of Audrey Hepburn. But not everyone knows that it was a novella first. Capote actually based the character of Holly Golightly on several different women. And they were all like friends or close acquaintances of him. He never actually said who it was. The novella was adapted loosely into the movie in 1961 starring Audrey Hepburn. Also love her. And Hepburn as Holly, with her hair up in that high chignon, and her necklace, and her big cigarette holder, is considered one of the most iconic images of the 20th century American cinema. So, if you haven't seen this, look it up. And then you'll be like, oh yeah, duh, I've seen that before. Um, I went through an Audrey Hepburn craze phase. But for good reason, because she's amazing and talented and a great advocate for UNICEF. And if you don't know her life, look her up. She's brilliant. Jumping forward a little bit, um, another more recent discovery of mine. I mean, it's a more recent graphic novel, so it, of course, was more recent. It's called Heartstopper by Alice Osmond. And it is divine. Graphic novel number one was published in 2018, and the Netflix show was just released in 2022. The characters of Nick and Charlie actually first appear in Osmond's novel of Solitaire, and they were just like supporting characters. But Osmond said she fell in love with the characters for obvious reasons, because they're brilliant, and she decided to um, tell their own story. They needed their own story. 
She actually, Osmond actually published Heartstopper as a webcomic, and um, it gained so much following that she decided to self-publish, and um, she launched a Kickstarter to help fund the publishing, and within two hours, she reached her targeted pledge. Like, that is fan dedication right there. There is going to be a second season of the TV show. It's scheduled to release um, in August of 2023. And they're already having a third season in development. It's great. It, it's uh, the back says boy meets boy. Boys become friends. Boys fall in love. And it just, it melts my heart. And it just, it's so cute. The pictures are so cute. The art style, it just is wonderful the like the coloration inside is super duper minimal it's like black and white with some like turquoise like light soft turquoise but it it really not having the color inside like not having everything fully like decorated and colorized like really adds to the the appeal and doesn't take away from the beauty of the story and it just melts my cozy little heart it's brilliant everyone should give it a stab even if you're not like a graphic novel reader it just maybe it'll turn you into one because it's just that good like i said all of this is in really random order and maybe i should have thought that out better but um throwing it back again to da -da -da -da, the great gatsby this book was originally published in 1925 there's been film adaptations in 1926, 1949, 1974, and most recently 2013. Um, what I thought was really interesting is when it was first published, um, compared to his earlier novels like The Sight of Paradise and The Beautiful and the Damned, Gatsby was a commercial disappointment. People didn't like it. It didn't sell. And then um, during World War II, the novel experienced a huge surge in popularity when the Council on Books in wartime actually distributed free copies to American soldiers serving overseas. The work actually became a core part after that of American high school curricula and part of American popular culture. Like, for instance, again, I read it, I want to say my freshman year in high school. It's considered a literary masterwork and some would even say a contender for the title of Great American Novel. It's been adapted, like Romeo and Juliet, a bajillion times into different book formats. Here I have the graphic novel version. So I think that's a really smart way to show it off. Graphic novels. This is a good compromise for like kids and parents. If a kid doesn't want to read a book, get them both. Get them their traditional copy, get them the graphic novel, and then they can read them both. Or they can pick and choose, they can compare. Reading is supposed to be fun. Reading is supposed to fill your soul. It's not supposed to be a pain. I like options. Speaking of options, like I said, this movie has, or this book has been turned into film a good handful of times. Fun fact, the first time, the 1926 version, is actually lost to history, and the Fitzgeralds hated it. So, coincidence? I don't know. More recently, the um, 
Which one is this? The 1974 version that people are pretty familiar with. It's got Mia Farrow in it and Robert Redford. So this is a pretty like standard one that most people know. And I like it, don't get me wrong, but I have a thing for Baz Luhrmann. I have a thing for Baz Luhrmann. The film is just, it brings me so much joy. I mean, Carrie Mulligan, Leo, again with the Leo. Tobey Maguire, so much joy. The soundtrack is really what like gets me though. Baz Luhrmann, he um, had some goals for the movie and the musical backdrop. He expressed that he wanted to really blend like the music of jazz age associated with 1922, the setting of the story with a modern spin. So I mean like Jay-Z is in it, in the soundtrack and Beyonce and it just, ugh, I own it. I don't own very much music, and that is one that I just go back to. Baz Luhrmann doesn't, his movies, his, the music in his movie, it's not just the background, really prominently in the foreground, and it almost takes on a character of its own, which really elevates the films for me. So I said these are in no particular order, but um, for this one, I lied. <laughs> the last one that I want to talk about is All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Dewar. The book was published in 2014 and da -da -da -da, Netflix announced an official release date of the show adaptation is going to be on November 2, 2023. So coming up pretty quick. Dewar's first inspiration came for the book on a 2004 train ride during which he watched a man become angry because his phone call cut out. He thought this man was so unappreciative of the miracle of being able to communicate across long distances. So he decided that he was going to set his novel during World War II and all about like being able to appreciate the miracles of communication and... I thought that was really interesting. What's super exciting is the cast has been chosen for the TV show, and um, it's set to star a girl called Aria Mia Liberti. And what's so special about this is Liberti won the part after a worldwide casting search and for, for blind and low vision actresses. So this role is actually going to mark her acting debut. And I'm really excited for the show. I think it's going to be really good. I think all books should be turned into shows, but what do I know? I'm just a librarian. Hmm. Well, anyway, that is, that is it. That is all the titles that I came to talk to you about today. If you want to see any of them, come visit us. If you want to talk about how wrong I am, that's cool too. I'm here for it. Let's do it. Um, if you have any recommendations, of that I am here for. We're trying something new. If you want to see my beautiful face and me making a bunch of weird faces at my camera, then um, we got some video for you. So um, if you like it, cool. If not, you don't have to watch it. Just listen to me. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and post about it on social media. 
To catch all the latest from us, you can follow Madel on Instagram at MuskegonADL and on Facebook at Muskegon Area District Library. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Believe in Your Shelf.